This episode of Tour Denver is brought to you in collaboration with Sunrise Robot. Be sure to visit sunriserobot.net and discover other great podcasts about the arts, technology, and culture. Tour Denver is a storytelling event created by Amber Blaze, Derek Mund, and me, Michael Edwards. Hi, I'm Amber Blaze. Tour events take place live at venues around Denver, Colorado. Each night, a theme is chosen and three curated storytellers share their tales. In addition to the three chosen raconteurs, audience members have an opportunity to sign up and tell their own stories. All of these stories are told without any written notes, with each storyteller living in the moment with the audience. Here's a reminder to visit raconteurdenver.com, where you can find upcoming events, speaker bios, podcasts, and more. This raconteur event took place at the Preservery in Denver. Our topic this evening was first adulting. Michael Henry is a poet, memoirist, clumsy guitarist, avid mountain biker, and father of two tall daughters. He lives in Thornton, Colorado, and grew up in Buffalo, New York. Over the years, he's worked as a water meter reader, pizza delivery guy, dishwasher, and painter's helper. He currently serves as executive director of Lighthouse Writers Workshop, the largest literary arts center in the Rocky Mountain West. Let's hear Michael's story. Okay, thanks for coming tonight. Great to see you all here. So to give you some context, uh, the year is 1984, and I'm 17 years old, and I'm going off to college. Um, I'm going to a school called Allegheny College. It's in Western Pennsylvania. Anybody ever heard of it? Yeah? All right, excellent. I'm not gonna say good things about Allegheny, but that's okay. and why I went to Allegheny, I'm not really sure. Um, my, my parents had never gone, didn't go to college. My dad was a mailman, and my mother was a medical secretary. So uh, my sisters, I had two older sisters, and I were the first in our generation to go. So I applied to a couple of places. I applied to Notre Dame because I went to a Jesuit high school, and I thought that would be cool to go there, and I didn't get in. Um, and then I had a friend whose sister went to Allegheny College and she applied and we went and visited her for a weekend and had a great time because we drank free beer and um, kissed some freshman girls when we were seniors in high school. So that felt really great. Sorry about that. Yeah, that felt great, but not that great. Um, so um, my dad drives me down to Allegheny College. It's in Meadville, Pennsylvania. It's just north of Pittsburgh. Um, from my hometown, which is a suburb of Buffalo, New York. It's a town called Cheektowaga, and that's an Iroquois word for land of the crabapple trees. Um, and if you know anything about Buffalo, I don't need to explain. It's, it's a good place to be from, as I like to say. So um, he drives me down in his little Toyota, two-door Toyota Tercel um, with an AM radio. There's not a lot of conversation going on. We didn't really communicate very well. Right, in, in our own way, in our own sort of code. Um, and then he pulls me up to the freshman dorm and I empty my stuff out, um, which is amazing. You know, when you're young, all of your stuff can fit in a two-door Toyota Tercel. I, I miss those days. Um, so he drops me off, he hands me like a roll of $20 bills, like 80 bucks or something like that, and he's like, well, See you later. And, you know, we have this awkward hug. And I'm like, do I kiss him on the cheek? Do I not? You know, all these really difficult decisions. And then he drives off. So there I am, freshman in college, 17, about to turn 18. My birthday is November 2nd, by the way. 
Yeah, just the day before, yeah, exactly. So um, awesome time, Scorpio. So uh, he drops me off and there I am. Um, I'm in a dorm with, I'm in Catholic Hall with three other roommates. Uh, Tony, this really um, rambunctious Italian guy, really nice friendly guy. Rich, a farmer from somewhere in central Pittsburgh. And then a football player, I forget his name, big blonde haired guy, played on the Allegheny football team. Um, and they, they really helped me. Um, they, they sort of kept me sane during those times. Because I think, you know, I was 17. I didn't know what the hell I was doing there. I didn't know why I was there. Um, I didn't know why I was at that college. Um, one thing my mother always said to us kids was like, I don't care what you do with your life. You are going to go to college if it's the last thing I make you do. So you have to go to college. So there I was. I was in college. And I was feeling a little bit lost. Um, it was a pretty conservative, preppy school. It was an expensive liberal arts college, like less than 2,000 students. And um, here I am, this sort of working class kid from Buffalo, except I was like really into, well, let me give you a visual picture. So I love new wave and punk music. I have this flock of seagulls hair. I know it's hard to believe. I have the flock of seagulls hair. I would wear white um, old man's dress shirts, all buttoned all the way up to the top. And then I would wear like, dress pants, usually like black um, dress pants or khakis, and I would peg the pants from like the, from like the knee down, so they'd be really tight on the ankles, and then I wouldn't wear any socks, but I would wear black penny loafers, and because I was super cool, they wouldn't have pennies in the front, you know, you put the pennies in the front, I would put nickels in the front, because I just had to be different. Yeah. So, um, so there I was at night to fall asleep. Um, Rich would listen to like Seals and Crofts on his you know, headphones, because we shared a room. I was in the top bunk, he was in the bottom. And then um, I would listen to three, three, three cassette tapes, because this is 1984, this is pre-CDs. Um, the Alarm, 68 Guns, familiar with that, it's a really good album. Uh, Tears for Fears, Songs from the Big Chair, and English Beats, Special Beat Service. And I would just listen to them over and over, trying to get to sleep. So there I am trying to get oriented. And luckily, at Allegheny, they have freshman orientation. So you go a week early and you do some things. So they had the freshman Olympics. And um, it required some really kind of lame sort of, you know, icebreaker events. There was like the egg carry and the water balloon toss. And um, they would hook up the boys' dorms, like certain floors with girls' dorms, and you were supposed to get to know each other, and it was supposed to be this wonderful thing. So all the freshmen would be there, and all the RAs would be there as well. So um, I, I participated. I was in the um, soccer ball relay, and the way the soccer ball relay wor worked was you had a, a, a space you were supposed to cross, maybe like 20, 30 yards, and you had this apparatus, and it was a pair of pantyhose with a softball stuck into the foot of one of the pantyhose, and then the pantyhose would be tied around your waist, and then the one leg with the softball would hang between your legs like an old man's uni testicle, really low. And you were supposed to, I can't even do it, I'm sorry, I can't even do it, I'm trying to appear. You're supposed to gyrate and get the, you know, the softball swinging, and you're supposed to hit a softball forward, and you're supposed to cross the field that way. I was chosen to be the anchor leg for the softball, soccer ball relay. And our team, there were like maybe 15 teams, our team was so bad that when I got to 
to do my anchor leg. There was, everybody else was done. So there's this mob, that's how I remember it, this like angry, wild, voracious mob of freshmen and people just standing around, cheering and jeering and yelling sarcastic things to me. And there I am like pretending to try to like just have this like, you know, sexual, I don't know, movement, trying to move the soccer ball across the field. And I was not very good at it. I was really bad at it. So I got about halfway and it was like, this is just, really not very much fun, so I need to figure out a way to get out of this. So I have this brilliant idea. So um, I step back and I smile at everybody very confidently like I know what I'm doing. And I already look different, you know, so they probably, I just felt really odd, really awkward. And so I step back and then I grab the softball in one hand, the softball testicle, and I pick it up and I hold it sideways. And I raise my other hand like a, like a football, like a kicker in the NFL, like about to, about to kick off the beginning of the game. And I run up to the ball and I kick it as hard as I can. The idea was to kick it really high up in the air so it would be just be spinning in the golden fall sunlight with the blue, the sky behind it. Um, but I didn't, get, I didn't get the height I wanted, but I did get the velocity I'd hoped for. It was really, I kicked it really hard. And so it screamed into the corner of the mob, the wild mob, and it hit this young woman right in the face. Right, exactly. And she crumpled to the ground. And this mob of people crowded around her. They were like, oh my God, I thought I killed her. You know, it was just like, I broke her neck. It was awful. And this mob crowded around her. And there was this moment of silence, you know, and it was sort of like all the people were looking at her. And then everybody turned to look at me. And this sound rose up, just kind of like what you did. This, oh. And I tore off my testicle and I just ran back to my dorm room, crying, just weeping. And Dave, my RA, who was like this really nice guy, like, you know, maybe he was, he was probably a psychology major because he came up and he did like a little therapy session with me. And I was like, I hate it here. I don't fit in. I, I just, I'm really unhappy. I, when I was a senior and my, you know, the summer after senior year, I mean, summer after senior year is pretty good, right? You're on top of the world. I didn't have a curfew. I was able to drive my mom's car around. I had a girlfriend. I would stay out till like five in the morning. I had a fake ID. I could go to bars. It was fantastic. And there I, you I was on top of the world, and then suddenly I'm a freshman in the school, or I don't feel like I fit in, and I almost murdered this poor woman. So I thought everybody would just remember this. Of course, nobody remembered that. Everybody forgot what happened. Um, the girl, um, the RA said, you know, she's okay, she's fine. There's nothing wrong with her. She actually wants to meet you. Her name is, her name was, um, no kidding, I'm not kidding, her name was Buffy. And so I met her, she was like, it's all right, I'm fine. And I remember a couple of months later, I'm, I'm running to class. I was always late. Um, I, was, I, I, I wanted to run cross country, I was a runner, um, but I had bursitis in my knee so I couldn't run. So, um, but I would run to class because I was always late because I was just, just couldn't figure out how to exist in the world at that point. And um, she saw me running and she was like, hey, Mike, come here. She called me over and I went over and she's like, how are you doing, you okay? And I'm like, I'm all right, I'm okay. <laughs> and she was like, I really like your jacket. 
and it was this wool rich wool jacket. It was black and white checkered. It was, it was like a hunting jacket from my grandfather, who was this big sort of Italian teamster who knew Jimmy Hoffa. And I was like, do you, you really like it? And she's like, yeah, it's really cool, which made me feel really great. And says, would you want to borrow it? So I gave it to her. And so I would see her walking across campus in my jacket, looking so happy, joking with friends, and laughing, and having a great time. And that would make me feel a little bit better, because I, wasn't, I, w I would live vicariously through that, because I wasn't laughing and having a good time. And that was, that was a real comfort. Um, really, the thing that I did that gave me some comfort was what most college freshmen do, which I would, I would drink on the weekends. I would drink to oblivion almost every single weekend. Um, I pledged a fraternity and we would just go and do shots and beer and it was ridiculous. And um, that's what I did and it made me feel comfortable. Um, I remember one time in particular, this was probably in the spring semester when I was realizing I don't need to be here. I don't need to be here. Maybe I should transfer. Um, I pledged a fraternity and then I quit. Um, basically, the only thing I learned in that was the Greek alphabet. If you've ever been in a fraternity, you know that. You've got to learn the Greek alphabet, yeah. Or sorority, so, yeah. Anyway, so, um, I remember at, I was at a fraternity party. I was in the basement. It was Phi Delta Theta, I think was the name of the fraternity. And the basement was just, like, you know, pretty, like, just storage area. And they had painted the floor this, this red, this, like, burgundy red. So it was really slippery. And that's where the beer was. That's where the kegs were. And I was talking to this, to this young woman who um, was sort of new wavy like me. You know, she looked like somebody from the Thompson Twins. And we were talking about, you know, like, oh, in high school, life was so much better. Oh, my God, it was so much better. This place is lame and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, you know, we're talking and talking. And I'm getting more and more drunk. And I'm looking at her face. And we're having these conversations. And my voice is coming just from somewhere in my head. You know, when you're drunk, you just, like, hear your own voice. You're not sure where it's coming from. And you're just talking. And she's talking. And then I'm looking at her face, and we're talking, we're like really getting along, and then suddenly her face is gone. I don't know where it is. She's, she's disappeared. And I try to focus, and I see, um, I see pipes and ductwork and, floor, and, and floorboards from underneath. And I realize that I'm, I'm on the ground. I'm on a flat on the ground. And I have a moment, I'm just sort of just pondering what's happening. And I, I recalled a couple of things. I recalled a couple of things and they had a realization. I had an epiphany. Two things. My mother used to always say to me, I was the youngest, youngest boy, the only boy in an Italian family, which is a big deal. It's like Game of Thrones. You're like, you are the namesake, man. You gotta do something, you gotta do something, right? She used to say, you know, when you were conceived, I was wearing a coil. And for years, I had no idea what that meant. I, what is a coil? I pictured like you know, a heating element on a stove. So I didn't know what that meant until maybe, I don't know, maybe then, maybe at that moment I realized, oh, that's, yeah, an IUD or whatever. Um, and the other thing she used to say to me all the time was, you weren't a mistake, you were a pleasant surprise. <laughs> And I know she meant that, most of those things, in the best way, but you know, it's sort of like when, when, when a parent says something to you, it just sort of seeps into your subconscious and it just starts working its way through you. Um, and what I realized as I was lying on the floor staring at the ceiling 
after having been talking to this young woman being really drunk, was, there is no plan for me. There is no one who's going to come and pick me up and save me like my parents had always done because I was the youngest boy in the Italian family. There is no idea what I'm supposed to do or where I'm supposed to go, or what I'm supposed to want or what I'm supposed to strive for. You know, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow and it wouldn't make a, necessarily make a difference. I mean, I was 17, this is really dramatic, but um, it, was a pretty, it was a pretty profound thing to realize, you know, and if I don't seek out some sort of pathway with like a kind of reckless abandon, a deep, deep desire, there will be, I w there will be no path, there will be no way for me out of anything. Um, and I was sitting there and I was thinking about that. I was lying there and I was thinking about that. And then finally, the young woman's face appeared hovering above me and she's like, are you okay? And I said, I, I don't know, maybe. And I stood up and I said, it's these damn loafers. I just ain't got no traction. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and live in Denver, join us at Leon Gallery on Thursday, November 3rd for our next Tour event with the topic of First Denver Anything. This will be our last Tour event of the year, so you don't want to miss it. This podcast was recorded and edited by Michael Edwards of Sunrise Robot. Visit sunriserobot.net and discover other great podcasts about the arts, technology, and culture.